Welcome to Odyssey. Odyssey is a show where we discuss the frontier of crypto's opportunities and challenges in driving real-world impact in the societies of tomorrow. Odyssey is produced thanks to the support of SAFE and Ambar Wallet. SAFE is the most trusted decentralized custody protocol and collective asset management platform on Ethereum and the EVM. Ambar Wallet is an advanced smart wallet that utilizes account abstraction, acting as a gateway to Web3 applications and providing users with secure and effortless management of their digital assets. You'll hear more about them later on in the show. Let's get to it, friends. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Odyssey. This is the very last episode of the season, and there is no better person to close this off than Kevin Owaki. So in this conversation, we obviously start with Kevin's crypto journey, which perhaps many of you are already familiar with, but we discuss his experience building Gitcoin, how he ultimately ended up launching and founding Supermodular, which is his venture studio focused on building digital tools for regenerative futures. Within that, that includes Biddlebox focusing on hackathons. There's Hypercerts that focuses on making it easier to track the impact that folks are doing through digital tokens, among a number of other projects. We discuss the movement that Kevin is building with the Green Pill Network that has local chapters throughout Latin America, Asia, Africa, North America, and Europe as well, which I thought was a really fascinating part of this conversation. Lastly, we discuss where the future of public goods is going and how we can continue to build an ecosystem of folks who are driven by leveraging incredible technology, whether it be blockchains, artificial intelligence, among other frontier technology, to build more diverse, pro-social, and pro-environmental futures. I hope you enjoy this conversation. And without further ado, I present to you the very last conversation of this season with Kevin Owaki. So great to be here. What's up? How's it going? It's going great, man. It's going great. Really excited to dive into this conversation. I, I know there's a lot for us to jam and, and explore uh, on, but before we do that, I uh, would love if you could just give us a quick intro of who you are, the man that needs no introduction, and, and really, but what, what else are you, what are you working on currently and, and what's going on in Kevin's universe? Well, so hey, I'm Kevin Owaki. I have a bachelor's degree in computer science from University of Delaware in 2006 and have been building Web2 startups from 2006 to 2017. In 2017, I founded a project called Gitcoin, which eventually went on to fund $50 million worth of Ethereum ecosystem, public goods, and other public goods for the ecosystem uh, and for humanity writ large. I am now building Supermodular, which is a venture studio that is designed to launch more regen ventures into the world. So we can now program our values into our money. What would it look like if we launched the next Gitcoin, if we launched the next uh, regenerative venture out into the world? And I, I just believe that we can program our values into our money. We can build more positive sum digital ecosystems for the world. And uh, what a time to be alive, to be using those skills in order to build pro-social, pro-topian, pro-environmental movements that uh that that people can adopt in their own local communities i think it's really fun awesome man yeah i'm, I'm really excited to jam into you know kind of the, the whole thesis behind the work that you're doing now and also like at the end we're, we're gonna double click on how we can deploy these solutions in local communities i know a lot of the audience here is is building solutions in their respective countries and uh localities so we'll definitely get into that but before getting in all into all that stuff would love just a, a quick overview of, you know, how you came to be a regen. Like, what was it about that philosophy? 
you know, you've described yourself as as a hippie uh, throughout your, your your lifetime. And so what what's kind of the the seed that planted that and, and has led to all this flourishing and supporting public goods, open source software and so on? Where, where does that come from? Well, I think that there was kind of like three phases. There was the founding of Gitcoin and sort of the hypothesis there was like, OK, we can now program our values into our money. What if we value open source software? What if we could build economies that fund open source software? And keep in mind that this time I've been a Web2 entrepreneur for about 10 years, and I know that open source software provides billions of dollars worth of value for the world. And so how come all my friends who work on open source software have to work at like JP Morgan Chase during the day and then contribute to open source at night? It just didn't make any sense to me. And you know, this, so the, the sort of like a priori theory was we can program our values into our money. What if we value open source, can we build an economy that funds open source software developer? But the more like empirical, like easier to grok thing is like, oh, we have an open source financial system. What if we just route some of the money that would have gone to some back office on Wall Street and the old financial system to open source software? Like there's a trillion dollar market cap. If 0.01% of that goes to open source, then we're golden. Um, so that's phase one. Phase two was actually building Gitcoin and, um, you know, Gitcoin grants becoming our flagship product. And at the time, Vitalik Buterin and Glenn Weil and Zoe Hitzig had just published this paper on a mechanism called quadratic funding, which uh, Gitcoin eventually evolved to be built, built on top of this mechanism. And in, in chats with Vitalik, I sort of realized, oh, open source software is just one digital public good. Public goods are just things that we all derive value from, but none of us can fund because they're freely available online. But like, you know, privacy and uh, herd immunity and climate solutions and, um, and, and many, many other things are also public goods. What if we took what was working on Gitcoin for open source software and used it to fund all sorts of digital public goods was like phase two. And then phase three was... Oh wait, Gitcoin's not the only like pro-social DAO out there. There's Proof of Humanity and Bright ID and ClearFund and Giveth and Doing Good and like there's a whole movement of people who care about using crypto for pro-social. Let's like build an umbrella and a regen movement uh, underneath which all of them can can do great stuff together. So um, I'd say the, the the three phases were open source software, then all public goods, and then trying to stimulate a movement towards all sort of regenerative things from there. And that's been kind of the evolution for me of of Gitcoin and in my journey in the space of of becoming a regen and trying to meme regen stuff into into existence. Awesome, awesome. And and just to situate the audience a little bit here, Kevin. Give us like, you know, kind of high level overview of regenerative and degenerative systems. I know it's something you talk about a lot, but just to kind of refresh the audience and really set the groundwork here uh, for the rest yeah. of this conversation, like why do regenerative systems matter so much? Yeah, well, you know, there was an article in uh, Coin Coindesk that said that regen is more of a vibe than a Harvard and fast category. <laughs> and I thought that was a fun way to 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 articulate what's going on out there. Um the vibe is very pro-social on the traditional, you know, I think crypto sort of rejects traditional political labels, but uh, if you were to collapse it down into a reductionist one-dimensional view of humanity, it's it's like lefty crypto, um, pro-social stuff, pro-environmental stuff, pro, uh, pro-topian stuff. The aesthetic is very green and solar punk. If your listeners Google solar punk, you'll see this vision of like a high tech, high utopia, high greenery, high modernism, type of world in which we solved our sustainability issues and issues with uh, 
uh, equality and mutualism. And, um, you know, my definition would be, so, so that's, I guess that's all to say that there's a whole vibe and there's a whole movement and people can divine, define regen however they want. But my definition is regen is regenerative. It means that your resource capacity in the system goes up over time as opposed to degenerative where it's degenerating, it's going down over time. And when I'm talking about resource capacity, I'm not just talking about financial capital, but I'm talking about spiritual capital and intellectual capital and social capital, material capital. And so if you have a system that is degenerating, it's eventually gonna self-terminate because you're gonna run out of those, those types of capital and the, the pie is getting smaller. But if it's regenerating, then it's getting bigger over time. And what I particularly care about is leveraging the open source financial system. If we can program our values into our money, how can we build a more pro-social, pro-environmental, pro-spiritual web that, that respects our values. And so that's my definition. That's my North Star for Regen. But I think we're also trying to create a meme and a category where pe where we aren't too hard and fast and, and uh, we're inclusive of many people's different visions of, of building more pro-social world because you know, I, I think that we just want to build a movement that's inclusive of of everyone's vision. And, and I think in a lot of ways, what I'm doing right now, I run a, a podcast called Green Pill Podcast that's all about trying to channel greater combinations of strength and intelligence coming together. Um, and I think that's one of the beautiful things uh, ab about my role in the space now is that I just find some of the top founders that are working on this stuff and I give them an audience and I get them connected to the Gitcoin audience and and uh, that channel of greater combinations of strength and intelligence uh, coming together is like, I think the highest thing that I could be doing in the world. And, um, and yeah, so that's how I think about the regen movement. Mm, awesome. And, and I love that, you know, you sort of rounded that off with there is no one definition of regeneration, right? I think regeneration will look so different in so many different facets and so many different forms of capital, right? And and so we oftentimes have one vision and perhaps it can be painted as this sort of solar punk future, but being able to really celebrate and look at the other forms of, you know, emotional, spiritual regeneration is, is a whole nother thing. And we actually, uh, before this, we'll, we'll have uh, John Ellison from ReFiDAO, who talks a lot about self-regeneration in order to regenerate the earth, right? And, and I think that that's such an important part of the conversation um, that that doesn't necessarily happen all, all too much. And I love that with Green Pill, what you've done, one, you built this audience um, that really emanated from a lot of the, your work at Gitcoin. And now you're saying, I want to give folks who are really building these incredible systems, a platform and a voice. Oftentimes that doesn't happen. Like some of the brightest minds out there don't always have the capacity to distribute their message outwardly, right? And and so giving them this sort of space has has been great. And what what's been the trajectory? Speaking of of Green Pill, the podcast, like how's that trajectory gone? You know, what what are you sensing as as you continue to produce content as well, kind of regenerative content? How do you feel about yeah. the podcast and, and what's going on there? Right. So uh, you can check out the podcast at greenpill.network. And uh, that's basically been sort of the mimetic capsule for building a more protopian web three is a green pill. Like you take the green pill, which is, you know, trying to manifest the future. And it's kind of a play off of that meme from the matrix where I think Morpheus offers Neo the red pill and the blue pill. Uh, I forget which one is which, but the uh, blue pill, I think you go back to sleep and you you stay in the simulation and the red pill you you wake up and and go back to uh or and you go back to the real world. I think I'm getting that right. If not, I'll probably get like lacerated on Twitter. You are, yeah. Knowing. Yeah. Um so the green pill is just you take the green pill and then um and that's a mimetic capsule for accepting that we could build a more protopian future with web three. And um the initial shelling point was that I wrote a book. I self-published a book called How 
green pilled how crypto can regenerate the world emphasis on can <laughs> i would love to write a book in three years saying how crypto is regenerating the world but i don't think we're quite there yet and um after I wrote the book, people, I started getting connected to all these amazing people who are actually making it happen. And I was like, oh, well, like I'll do a podcast so that I can start to broadcast these stories out to the world. And uh, luckily, David Hoffman from Bankless offered to produce the podcast and give me a starter audience uh, for it. And that was a lot of fun. The uh, We're now 120 episodes in. And um, Green, so if Green Pill V1 was a podcast and a book, uh, Green Pill V2 is a network. So greenpill.network is the domain. And we're building a community of thousands of doers and dreamers that are making regen happen in their local communities. So the Green Pill Network, the books and the podcast are the initial sort of like shelling point. And around it, we're building a Discord community of uh, thousands of, of people who believe in the vision. And there's 24 local chapters all all across the world that are starting to practice green pill in their in their local communities and so um you know we're, we're trying to figure out what the community is in its in its final form over time but for now i think the most interesting thing is there's a chapter in canada there's a chapter in germany there's one in west africa there's one in nigeria there's one in india uh, there's one in Japan, there's one in Indonesia. And so by making Green Pill into a headless brand that anyone could sort of own, we've seen people come up with the Green Pill India Festival. We've got people who are writing local regen guides, things like how to do local regenerative, regenerative agriculture in their local communities, how to do quadratic funding in their local communities, how to start a Green Pill meetup in your local community. This like cross-pollination of skill sets, um, I think is really interesting because we've got people who have uh, very like global 21st century skills, applying those skills locally where they have the legitimacy and context of their local community. And I think that that's really, really freaking cool. Like, you know, web two, we got it wrong. We tried to take the same like Facebook communities and like zuck everyone over with the same software all across the world and like extract from them with local open source software that people can deploy locally. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity to have like globalist tech work for the local public good. And, um, you know, Green Pill V2 is, is about making making that happen. So, um, yeah, uh, Green Pill V2, we're still figuring out what it is, but I'd say trying to build a movement and a network that's that's making it happen. So let's, let's double click on movement building, because I actually think this is like one of the most important things that we can do in order to make crypto useful in the real world and bring real value and make pro-social, pro-environmental movements happen. You know, we, we saw obviously this like rise in kind of uh, libertarian, pro-freedom loving folks right at the start of, you know, Bitcoin's earlier days. Uh, and then we've seen this kind of evolution and maturation of the ecosystem where I'd say it's really an apolitical space, right? And it always has been. I think it just Initially, there was a kind of initial interest in a particular subset of folks. And now as people begin to open their eyes and, and see that it really is just this kind of permissionless protocol, kind of a lot of distributed systems are permissionless protocols in order for us to engage and, and play with and create whatever it is that we ultimately want to create. I think that we're seeing a much more flourishing ecosystem of, of regens and, and kind of uh, pro-social, pro-environmental builders, right? But let's let's focus in on like what it takes to build a movement. I, I think that's like, that's something that Green Pill is uniquely doing. And we've seen other movements emerge around, you know, certain tokens, right? Or certain DAOs are also kind of arguably really important and large movements. But when you think about movement building and at the same time trying to build this sort of like headless brand, 
What's what's the the thought process that goes into that as you think to kind of evolve Green Pill Network further and further and, and the maturation of it? I know it's an emergent process, I'm sure, but what are kind of some of the, the principles you think about as you're building out this ecosystem? Oh man, that's a good question. Well, for those of you who can see me on video, I'm a software engineer and I think that I I sort of like talk in my mannerisms or like a software engineer. And I think that that gives me a certain amount of legitimacy with a certain subset of people. But when it comes to like, you know, social environments, I'm, I'm as introverted as the, as the, like the stereotypical <laughs> software engineer. And so when it comes to movement building, I think that I'm very much figuring it out as, as I go along and I don't have a playbook. I, I feel like, I don't know if I have the EQ to like totally be building the movement. Uh, but one of the things I found, uh, and this is just through trial and error is that start with why, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think that we now can program our values into our money. And so what's the highest thing that we can do is we can build economic systems that represent our, our values into them. And like, you know, my values happen to be around sustainability and making sure that, uh, the earth doesn't doesn't boil, uh, you know, uh, social justice, making sure that people are from uh, underrepresented economic backgrounds are able to have uh, a, a shot at a, a better life through this technology. And, um, you know, funding what matters, things that have traditionally not had a business model, um, making sure that, that they can be funded. Um, I think that this, that's the highest leverage point of what we can use crypto for, I think. And so, you know, I said, you know, I'm a software engineer and, and I think that that's like a great strength in this space, but it's also a great weakness when it comes to like EQ related stuff. And one of the things that I think that like the reason why me and green pill have become a shelling point for the community is that people have seen what I did with Gitcoin. I mean, what I did, but like, really there's a team of a dozen people, but I'm just like, as the founder, I'll get all the credit and all of the blame, uh, more credit and more blame than I should ever get. Um, it, whereas really like, you know, there's really dozens of people who made Gitcoin happen, but I think that people see $50 million for public goods and um, they've kind of rallied around that and around the start with why. And and now I've got people who are really good at building social movements that are hanging out with the Discord and, and saying, hey, let's experiment with this, let's experiment with that. And that's how we got the chapters. That's how we got the local regen guides. That's how we got Green Pill India. It's just been a matter of trial and error after the initial sort of like momentum and, and mimetic shelling point was set. So I, I guess I don't, I don't really know to answer your question, but I think that there's gonna be a cycle between building and learning from what we build and then coming up with a hypothesis of what we could do different and like circling that loop of just trying stuff that uh that i'm gonna keep on investing my own time and capital in until we until we find the next gitcoin until we find uh the biggest leverage points and then you know hopefully momentum compounds on momentum and this is a bona fide movement by 2024 2025 and um and, and it's just about building momentum i think mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah the the kind of compounding effects i think i think will be huge and so you mentioned there's a lot of learnings coming out of these local chapters. And, and I think that's like particularly something that is missing, especially when and this is one of the things I love about the Odyssey audience is we've got folks who work at some of the biggest crypto protocols. And on the other side, we've got some local communities that are, you know, literally putting seeds in the ground and doing the work when it comes to regeneration. Right. And and so what what's let's talk about the local communities. Like what are what are you learning? What are you seeing? Um, how can we continue to bring energy and resources? I know you ran, ran a quadratic funding round for the local green pill chapters recently as well. But mm. you know, what what are kind of the, the needs that 
these these bigger kind of global projects can provide local communities. Yeah, well, uh, first up, I'll say uh, first, do no harm. So we're not going to Zuckerberg ourselves in and provide the same software to everyone across the world and then extract from them, right? Um, so I think that there's like my my a priori sort of theory is that we've now got world class open source software that anyone can deploy in their local community. So you've got cutting edge tech. Um, and then you've got people who are embedded with local context, local legitimacy, and uh, local relationships. And so what if we empowered those people to um, experiment in their own communities with what's working, and then write a local regen guide about what's working in their own community and cross pollinate across all 24 chapters. And um, you know, I think that that's, that's really uh, kind of as far as we've gotten, the chapters are only a couple months old at this point. And so, um, you know, what I would love to do is, is, you know, by it's July, 2023 right now in July, 2024, I would like to have experiments in creating a local chapter, um, and, and just get setting that social shelling point where people keep showing up and talking about this vision of doing more regenerative crypto. That social layer is like the base layer, I think of these, of these chapters. And then from there, we start channeling funding into the local chapters and they can start to run quadratic funding rounds, retroactive public goods funding rounds, conviction voting. We can experiment with a lot of different mechanisms where they can start to organize the own, their meetups, public goods. And then from there, I would be really be tickled pink if we can start to deploy capital in those local communities according to what's got legitimacy in the local community and um, funding local communities, public goods from there. So, um, you know, to answer your question, I, I think that we're very much kind of making it up as we go along and feeling things out over 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 time. But I think that the the first the first thing is the social layer um, and establishing that rapport and the impact network that's local. And then the second thing is starting to channel some capital into the local chapters so that they can start deploying according to whatever their local needs are. And and that's a, that's about as far as we've gotten. Um, but we have run a green pill quadratic funding round, the main Gitcoin round has funded greenpill.network and then greenpill.network ran a QF round in which all of the local chapters are funded. So all of the local chapters have on the order of a couple hundred dollars, maybe a couple thousand dollars that they can start deploying either to as their own, for their own chapters, public goods, but eventually hopefully uh, in their local communities, public goods. And so it's kind of fun. It's like a uh, quadratic funding on quadratic funding in, until it like fans <laughs> out into whatever is the most legitimate locally. And I'm curious to see how that develops and evolves over the next year. Probably 60% of it won't work, but the 40% that does work, we're going to double down on that, cut our losses on what doesn't work. And then, you know, fractally we'll, we'll, we'll keep iterating until crypto actually is leg like locally regenerating local communities. And so um, I guess that's a long way of saying, I don't know, but that's how I'm thinking about figuring it out. And, and I think that space of not knowing is like perfectly acceptable given we're literally at the frontier of thinking about how do we go past these sort of behemoth oh, yeah. uh, coordination structures, these web two platforms, these nation states, right? So <laughs> experimentation is such a core part of this whole movement um, and and really glad that you're sort of taking that into account. And I know you've talked about a, a quote previously with Buckminster Fuller uh, that says like, we eventually make the right decision after we try all the bad ones, right? <laughs> and so part yeah. of it, and we don't know what the bad ones are unless we try them. So, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, uh, yeah, just super commendable and really excited to see you, as you said, like layer on even these rounds of quadratic funding and so forth. So looking forward to seeing kind of what, what emerges there. Um, yeah, switching switching gears a little bit. I'd love to talk about 
you know, what you're, I know you're a builder at heart and from, you know, all the work you did in Web2 and then Gitcoin, you're spending a lot of time building now. You've got Super Modular, which is, uh, you know, the project you're really putting a lot of energy towards uh, today. Like, where, where do you see Super Modular fitting into, and, and give us the context of what Super Modular is, what you're doing there, and, and where do you see it sort of fitting into yeah. this kind of local regeneration and, and building a bridge functionally is, is kind of the way I see things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, one of the fun things I've started to do is just to name different uh, projects that I'm building uh, after game theory concepts. And, you know, um, like, for example, Gitcoin's conference back when I was at Gitcoin, uh, we named it Shelling Point. And, and that was just basically a way of tricking people into asking, hey, what's a shelling point? Well, it's a place where people gather without having to coordinate. Uh, you know, like a campfire is an example of a shelling point um, because people will gather around it uh, without having to coordinate like, hey, meet you at the campfire later. And so we wanted to build a shelling point for regens. And that and that was uh, one of the successful confer conference series is that Gitcoin's been building. And so when we were going to name the company, I was like, oh, let's name it after something in game theory. And Irina, who's our corporate counsel, said, hey, let's call it super modular. So super modularity is this idea that um, you build pieces of software that are modular, which just means that they have like well-defined uh, boundaries around them. They have their own contained leadership and things that they do well. And then you build them so that they can interface with unforeseen future pieces of software around those interfaces. So like the Unix philosophy is, is an example of a super modular ecosystem where I can use, if you're a software engineer, you'll know what these words mean, but if you're not, then just bear with me. Like um, you'll, you'll, you can use said in awk and get and cat and VI, like these are all modular pieces of the Unix ecosystem, but together they, you can string these components together and build something that's more than the component of its parts. So super modularity is one plus one equals three. A modular ecosystem is one plus one equals two. A super modular ecosystem is one plus one equals three. A submodular ecosystem is one plus one or one plus one equals 1.5. Okay. So we're building all these components that are regen pieces of software, and then they're super modular with, with each other. Um, Gitcoin is a modular piece of that uh, of software that, that funds what matters in your local community. And then you add in Biddlebox, which is our virtual hackathon service. And all of a sudden you can send hundreds of hackers into your community at the same time. And then another project we've been supporting and contributing to is Hyperserts, which is like an NFT for managing impact. And, um, so what's cool is that over time, the uh, the ecosystem grows exponentially in the value it can create in the world. And that's why we named the uh, the the company Super Modular. But uh, what are we doing tangibly? We're just running a venture studio that is taking many shots on goal, is launching lots of little different software projects. And if we're successful, we'll have planted the right seeds during the bear market. And as the bull market rolls around, we'll have a couple profitable ventures on our hands at, at that point. So. Um, Super Modular is just a, a venture studio that's that's looking to realize this goal of a more regenerative digital frontier. And the way we do that is by launching lots of little software tools that interoperate with each other uh, that advance our vision. And ideally, we're doing it at the highest leverage points that we can find. And that's kind of where the Green Pill podcast comes back in. I'm talking to all the smartest people in the ecosystem looking for those leverage points. And then we place bets at those leverage points. So that's what we've been up to. If you haven't yet explored the benefits of smart wallets and account abstraction, you should definitely check out Empire Wallet. It is the wallet you wish you had when you started your crypto journey. Empire works with all EVM chains out there, the layer twos like Arbitrum, Optimism, Polygon, but also non-Ethereum ecosystems like Avalanche and Phantom. 
you'll never have to spend your valuable ETH again because Ambire Wallet lets you pay for gas in stablecoins, one of the many perks of smart accounts. The web application of Ambire Wallet offers a number of fiat on-ramps for seamless conversion of fiat currency into crypto. And if you prefer self-custody with a safety net, you can recover a lost Ambire Wallet using an email address and password without giving the Ambire team any control over your funds. Ambire Wallet is available on both mobile and web platforms, providing a range of features, including a gas saving mechanism, effortless integration with multiple dApps, transaction batching, and more cool functionalities to enhance your digital asset management experience. Stay tuned as an extension of Ambire Wallet is coming soon, TM, to expand its accessibility even further. Want to get your hands on the Ambire Wallet? Check it out at ambire.com. And now, let's get back to the show. Awesome. So just speaking of venture studios and, and public goods and, you know, making just like creating self-sustaining business models as well. Like, I think oftentimes a lot of folks stray away from public goods because they feel that there is, there are, there's an opportunity cost for them to focus on a project that is say open source or um, a public good, right? So when you think about super modular sort of model for sustainability over the long run and regeneration over the long run, where do you see these sort of market forces of public goods, open source software and long-term viability? How, how do you sort of think about that for, in order to create kind of this uh, successful financially viable project? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the Web2 mindset that I think that we have to unwind is that I was talking to a VC and they were like, you know, when I hear someone talking about impact or public goods, like, you know, they have a ponytail or something like that. Uh, I inevitably think <laughs> this person is going to lose my money. Yeah, we're, we're both playing the part right here. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that uh, what that's one of the things that we have to unwind in this um, in the Web3 ecosystem is this immediate cynicism that uh, like impact can't be something that you can make a living doing and that it can't be something that's profitable. And so, uh, you know, I think that what I would like to see the ultimate articulation, if I'm successful and if optimism is successful and giveth is successful is that you make money by having impact. And so, you know, I think that there's an opportunity to build mechanisms where, where you're rewarded with capital, the more value you create, as opposed to the more value you capture. And, um, and so, you know, the highest, speaking of leverage points, if we can connect impact to profit, then what you've done is you've taken all of the world's agents that have to go work at a for-profit venture, have to go work at JP Morgan, and you give them an opportunity to just meet, make ends meet by working in their local community. Then I think that that's the ultimate articulation of where this space wants to go. Impact equals profit. And, um, you know, Optimism is retroactive public goods funding. We can get into that. I think is doing a great job of this idea of connecting impact to profit. And then that'll sort of, sort of unwind the cynicism that uh, it, that you have to focus on value capture or like a web two business model in order to make it happen. And, and let me remind the audience that, you know, there's trillions of dollars out there for public goods. That's what our governments are supposed to be doing is they take our tax dollars and they're supposed to fix our roads and our bridges and uh, provide economic infrastructure and provide for the community's public goods. Well, we now have a much more efficient way of channeling money, economic development money to the causes that matters to fund what matters. What if you could start to channel some of the money first from Dow ecosystems to fund their, their public goods, but then eventually to local cities and states and countries, have them deploy some of their capital onto these networks and realize, holy smokes, we can do this more legitimate, more credibly neutral, more transparently through blockchain networks. And then 
we can start to 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 really have lots of spigots of funding coming into this space. But yeah, the the, the North Star is connecting impact with profit for sure. And, and I think also like shifting this notion of what what profit looks like as well. Is it purely financial profit? I think there's a lot to be, and, and that's where these eight forms of capital that uh, Gregory Landro talks about often as well, right? Mm -hmm. Is like, let's, let's shift away from just like purely financialized profit to maybe there's a lot of kind of emotional profit that comes from uh, connecting with, you know, like-minded regens through Green Pill Networks, for example, right? So for sure, for sure. I think that that is a um, key part of this this equation. And, and you mentioned optimisms, uh, retroactive public goods funding. Let's, let's talk about kind of the, the ecosystem and ecosystem building. There's a lot of folks really trying to continue to push the agenda and the envelope for uh, public goods in this space and how collaborative do you feel kind of the public goods ecosystem is today? How can we continue to foster more cross collaboration and cross pollination across each of these different projects that are, that are emerging in this space? Yeah, I've been really inspired by um, what has happened at the base layer of the Ethereum ecosystem. This idea of client diversity where you don't have one client that has all of the uh networks validators running it and the idea here is that you know if you want ethereum to be the base layer for the world's financial system then if there's a bug in one of the clients then that client has a majority of the validators on the network that could cause the network to split between the minority clients and the majority clients so we don't want any client at the base layer to have such a majority that it could fork the network right so that's the what the, the first principles reasoning why we need client diversity at the Ethereum base layer. But I've been really inspired by watching Preston Van Loon and the Prism, Prismatic team, which did have a majority of the clients on the network. I've, I've been really inspired by them uh, not getting upset when people are like, move off of Prism because we want to have uh, more client diversity. And so it's that social interop of, hey, Prism and Lighthouse and Nimbus and all of these other clients are are meant to, um, they're a channel for the Ethereum network and they're not like for-profit businesses that need to elbow each other out for market share in themselves. I've been really inspired by that vision and what I've seen modeled by Preston Van Loon and uh, other people at the client uh, at the client layer. And so what if we took that and we applied it to public goods. You know, the same arguments apply. We don't want to have one software system or one government that has a monopoly over the world's public goods. You want to have multiple mechanisms that are hopefully super modular with each other mm -hmm. that are all supporting an ecosystem of public goods together. And so um, Oren McMillan and I, we were we were talking about this like two years ago at DevCon because you know I I I'm known for Gitcoin at the time I was at Gitcoin and Oren built this this project called ClearFund which is another quadratic funding implementation and and we were like hey what if we could model for everyone else what like client diversity would look like at the public goods layer instead of just that. And so we wrote this essay called Practical Pluralism, which is all about not trying to like elbow each other out for market share and instead building this pluralistic uh, set of mechanisms that that all play nice with each other over time. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just like really happy that Oren and I were friends before he started ClearFund and before I got into doing quadratic funding on Gitcoin, we had that social rapport that we could have that trust and we could we could both do it together. And so, um, you know, now that there's Protocol Guild and ClearFund and Giveth and Optimism and DAO Drops, that ethos is something that we try to indoctrinate every new entrant into the marketplace in. And the way you do that is that, like, there's three layers to a DAO to DAO interop. I think it's social interop, 
which is just like, hey, we hang out, do we vibe together? Do we share the same values? Are we here for the right reasons? And then there's technology interop, which is like, you know, hey, Project X, do you need civil resistance? You can use Gitcoin Passport. Uh, if Gitcoin needs Y, then they could pull that out of some other ecosystem that's already focused on it, right? This super modular, like value add to each other. And then, and then the third layer is economic interop, which is basically like, hey, are funds flowing between our projects uh, to each other? And so um, I think the practical way, practical pluralism is social interop, technology interop, and then economic interop from there. And the sum of that, is an ecosystem in which you have multiple public goods funding Legos all together and operating together for the purpose of funding public goods, as opposed to, you know, the Web2 type model where you try to grow into this giant monolith and you're elbowing each other out for market share. You know, uh, we're recording this right after Zuckerberg and Meta launched Threads, I think it's called, which is just a Twitter competitor. Um, you know, imagine a world in which there was no big walls between these these tech empires, and instead they were all just interoperating with each other. It would be better for the consumer, and it would be better for um, for 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 I think our technological substrate for people to be able to move between networks without without having a lot of switching costs. And so, yeah. Anyway, TLDR, Google practical pluralism. If you want to learn more about the philosophy of public goods tools working together. Awesome. Yeah. Speaking of uh, threads there, yeah, I'm sure you've seen the privacy concerns with regards to the amount of data they're extracting. It's like your biometric data, your health data, uh, yeah. obviously like you're, they're tracking like every step you take. Uh, so, and, and again, it's just like this extractive philosophy of give us all your data at the end of the day. And, and that's, you know, the end goal for a lot of these web two companies. So, all right. So ecosystem, let's stay in that lane. Um, what do we need to build? What What's kind of like key missing infrastructure? You've mentioned civil resistance, you've mentioned sort of different funding streams, but you know, how can we continue to bring, and when we think about these local communities and when we think about kind of the wider ecosystem, what do you really feel is missing um, to continue to build these more pro-social movements uh, leveraging crypto? SAFE, previously known as Gnosis SAFE, is a decentralized custody protocol secured $60 billion in assets today. It is establishing a universal standard for secure custody of digital assets, data, and identity. SAFE is on a mission to unlock digital ownership for everyone in Web3, including DAOs, enterprise, retail, and institutional users, both through their SAFE core account abstraction infrastructure, and of course, its flagship product, the SAFE wallet, the wallet we all know and love. Start using SAFE for building on top of the SAFE core account abstraction stack by visiting SAFE.global. And now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, there's two leverage points that come to mind for me. Uh, the first is connecting impact to profit. So things like Optimism and Giveth and Gitcoin and ClearFund, where if you're building a pro-social venture, you don't have to go out and seek VC. And instead, you can just fund it using Retro PGF and Gitcoin and ClearFund and Dow Drops and, you know, the plurality of 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 things that connect impact to profit, I think are important. I'd also put um, hyperserts into, into that category. Um, another high leverage point that I see is um, is is uh, civil resistance. So basically civil resistance is basically sock puppet resistance. And the whole idea here is what if we could move from one token, one vote DAOs to one human, one vote DAOs, or have human identity as a primitive on chain such that you could you could limit airdrops or you could limit voting such that people who have a lot of capital cannot purchase an outsized influence. If we want to onboard the world's majority into these systems, which you know maybe we do, maybe people think they do, uh, but you know I think it would only be responsible to do that if if uh, if we do if they're more democratic at that time. And like you know the reason for that is that um, 
is that the majority of the world, their their financial lives is their is their um, communities and their jobs, and they don't have a house in the Hamptons. They don't have capital that they can deploy. Um, and so, you know, I think we have to build more democratic systems to onboard people into uh, into the ecosystem. So, fund public goods. I'm sorry, impact equals profit. Civil resistance is another uh, is another uh, leverage point. And the third is like, I think it'd be great if people could earn their first crypto instead of having to buy into some shitcoin in order to um, uh, in, in order to uh, get into the ecosystem. So those are kind of three leverage points that I'm building towards, but there's probably others that I don't see. If you go to Vitalik's blog, then you'll see that he thinks that the uh, the leverage points are what he calls the three transitions, which is layer two scaling, wallet security and privacy. I would agree with those transitions, but those are well covered elsewhere. The ones that I'm focused on is builders earning ETH, not getting, uh, uh, not just buying buying coins and then civil resistance and then impact equals profit are my three transitions. Awesome, awesome. So speaking of uh, building and, and your transitions, like what, what do you, you know, what, what does this look like practically speaking? Like, and, and how are you looking to kind of roll these solutions out in, in the work you're doing? Uh, we're gonna do it in a super modular way, super modular way, man. <laughs> Let's go. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'd say Gitcoin is our venture that's trying to connect impact to profit. Uh, Bellbox is a venture that is it's a virtual hackathon platform that's channeling hundreds and thousands of builders into the space. So check out Bellbox, and then Gitcoin Passport is working on the civil resistance layer of of the stack and doing it in a I, I think doing it in a scalable way, but also a way that respects people's data sovereignty and their privacy is also a quite important thing. And so, um, you know, those are the three ventures in our venture studio that are that are working in that space. And I'm just trying to support those builders as, as much as I can within the constraints that I've been given by, um, you know, legal and finance and technology and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, what's fun is the first cycle of Gitcoin, I was like coding 10 hours a day. And now I get to be a meme lord and like a network connector <laughs> and be in a supportive role instead of a driving role. And that's been quite a transition for me, but it's been a lot of fun also. Awesome. I love that, man. No, I big, big fan of, you know, everything you're producing from the software itself through to the content to, um, and you know, the conferences and, and so forth. So we've been in a bear market for quite a while and, and for the folks that are still sticking around, you know, hats off to you. Uh, but let's talk about kind of advice for the regen builders. It can, it can be tough, right? I mean, a, a lot of VC money generally is, as you mentioned, isn't necessarily amicable towards, uh, thinking about public goods and pro-social movements, but you know, what advice can you give folks where, where things stand today and what's what's the North Star we should kind of keep or the many North Stars, right, in, in a pluralist mindset that we should keep in in, in our hearts as we continue to build and, and focus on, on really leveraging crypto, right? I think it, oftentimes in the media, it's not necessarily kind of the, the brightest outlook out there, but we know and a lot of the folks are listening to, to this content, the content you produce and a lot of kind of the crypto Twitter circles and Discord communities are... Yeah heads down building, but you know, what's, what's going to keep us going? What do you see us really continuing to work towards and, and keep the movement and momentum going? Well, um, I mean, before I answer, I just want to recognize my own privilege and being like a white middle-class guy from the United States that has a computer science degree, right? Like, you know, the, the, I'm really employable probably as a software engineer, as a backup plan. And I just want to recognize that not everyone else out there has that, but I do think that, you know, uh, those software skills were something that I built and I worked really hard at over like 10 or 15 years. It's not like I like inherited them or something like that. Um, I don't know, like the bear markets, you just have to be really scrappy and make like make something great happen without a lot of resources. And, 
you know, I think that like being a cockroach that's unkillable is kind of what I've always tried to do in the bear market, cut your spend down and survive as long as you can. And um, listen, listen, look for the high leverage points, look for what's hot and um, be persistent. Keep trying things until you know what's working. And, you know, let, let me just tell the story. Gitcoin is my sixth side project that I launched between 2015 and 2017. I just, I was not afraid to fail. I kept on throwing spaghetti at the wall and I would double down on what stuck and I would throw away what didn't. And so um, with, with Gitcoin, I wouldn't have found it if I had just given up after a couple of failures. And then even when Gitcoin launched, we went through five or six successive products before we found Gitcoin Grants. And then when Gitcoin Grants was like, you know, becoming a household name, Vitalik's blogging about it we realized, holy, holy shit, it's centralized and it needs to be decentralized. And so we had to rewrite the legal and governance and organizational and product stack for it from there. And so it's just this like persistent and like persistence and, and kind of like being scrappy that I've always tried to focus on over time. And, and I really think that, um, it's it's been a, like quite a journey over the last six years to see it grow and evolve over time. But um, I'm really glad that I stuck with it because I I feel like we're on to something that could really be beautiful if we're maximally successful in the world. So, you know, everyone's situation is different, and depending on what your constraints are, uh, they may differ. But that's that's a uh, that's kind of how I'm how how I got through the last bear market. Great, Kevin. Well, this has been a really awesome conversation. We've gone through your trajectory as a builder your thesis on regeneration, what you've been working on, you know, advice for the builders, thinking about the ecosystem, what are the missing the pieces of infrastructure as well that we need to continue to scale this, how this affects local communities. So I, I think it's been a really kind of holistic, very broad conversation. And, and I've loved it specifically because of that. And, uh, you know, just really grateful for the work you, you're doing, you continue to do and all the contributions you, you make to the space as well. Yeah, thanks. Likewise, I mean, um, I think that there's thousands of amazing regen builders out there that care about using this technology for pro-social, pro-topian, pro-environmental reasons. And um, it's a movement now. So it's it's a lot of fun to be to be leading the charge in some places, but also following other great leaders in other places. So uh, it's a lot of fun and hopefully we'll be successful and uh, have a lot of impact because I think as we transition from the industrial age to the information age, that uh, there's a lot of challenges in front of us as uh, as humanity progresses into the 21st century. And so I hope that we're successful and I'll just keep uh, dreaming and memeing it into existence until it happens. I love it, man. I love it. Let's keep doing that. Let's keep building the movement and, and uh, keep building. Keep building. Awesome, Kevin. Great to have you on the podcast. Peace and love. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Odyssey. And thank you for joining us on our collective journey as we look to explore where crypto has the opportunity to drive real-world impact in the societies of tomorrow. If you haven't yet already, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and also that you've joined our Telegram community, which you'll find below. I'll see you on the next one.